Well, hey there. How you doing today? Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Thanks for joining me here today. In my previous video, Dark Matter Life Forms, Evos, and Sudden Bigfoot Invincibility, I introduced some of the ideas in modern physics where physicists are looking for what makes up dark matter, other exotic types of physics materials. And I gave examples where ordinary matter can transform itself into dark matter and dark matter back into ordinary matter. There was that article uh, from Science Magazine where uh, they talked about photons changing between a dark state and a light state. And we looked at uh, exotic vacuum objects, charge clusters from the work of, of Ken Shoulders, where he talked about charge clusters, this lab created ball lightning having a dark or stealth mode. And all the research he did, he was able to show that there's modes of this lab produced ball lightning where it goes into an invisible form and back to a visible form again. Uh, and if you haven't watched that video, I encourage you to uh, take a look at it because it shows that, you know, the modern physics is looking at this idea of a dark matter universe. And when Ken Shoulders is talking about uh, these uh, charge clusters acting like a bridge between our universe and a dark matter universe. Uh, he's actually reflecting on a lot of conversations that are happening now, even though he wrote his articles, you know, 10, 20 years ago when he was uh, still alive and working on these topics. So I wanted to introduce some other ideas today that even take this idea of exotic matter, dark matter, even further to show you that physicists right now are looking into these subjects um, so it shouldn't really be that much of a stretch of our imagination to imagine that there are life forms that could exist in this dark matter universe that have the ability to interact with, transform themselves in a way that we see them in our world too. After all, I mean, we have life forms in the air, uh, in the waters, on land, so why wouldn't we have them in this dark state also? And this would go a long way to explain, you know, a lot of the strange activities, which I wrote about in Dark Matter Monsters and you're familiar with, that we get around Bigfoot and cryptids, this ability that they have to, to morph and cloak and uh, affect electromagnetic fields and, you know, uh, are seen in and around orbs and so forth. A lot of these phenomena seem very much to be associated with ball lightning and exotic states of matter uh, that we find in the lab or in nature. So it would just make sense that there are life forms that are also built around these principles too. I, I don't think that's much of a biggie there. Uh, no pun intended, because physicists are already looking that way. But in the previous video, there's actually uh, more evidence that I didn't present there, which I just thought we should do here to make the conversation a little more complete. So the first 
person that uh, we should talk about who introduced the ideas of strange matter, non-ordinary states of matter, has to be Wilhelm Weber, the physicist from the early 1800s, who preceded Maxwell, uh, Maxwell and Maxwell's research on electromagnetic fields by a good 25 years. Uh, Wilhelm Weber was working with uh, Ampere's ideas about electromagnetics based more on interaction of particles and less on fields, which was the focus of Maxwell. And he came to the same kind of conclusions that Maxwell came to in his work in electromagnetics, but he did it decades earlier. He was, uh, it was Weber and Friedrich, Carl Friedrich Gauss who actually invented the telegraph. And what I want to point your attention to is that Weber suggested using Newtonian physics, and this is a very important idea, that if particles are very close together, Weber said closer than 10 to the minus 15th meters, then they would have a strong attractive force, not just this light charges repel each other idea that applies to particles at sort of long distances from each other. But when they're very close, they can pair up and create what uh, Weber referred to as negative inertial mass, negative inertial mass being an idea that is the foundation of superconductivity, something that uh, was uh, discovered uh, around the turn of the century, uh, 120 years ago or so, and has been, you know, a form of uh, experimental development where you can have electricity with zero resistance, a much more efficient way for electricity to flow in uh, metals and other substances, apparently, without the typical loss of heat. And Weber predicted this way back, I believe, in 1846. So negative inertial mass is the sort of a mirror world of matter. You could think of it as a kind of early idea of dark matter because it's mass that has the exact opposite properties of the normal mass that we're used to and creates things like uh, superconductivity and uh, warped space-time and things like that. And we could think of this as one of the original uh, ideas that leads to the idea you know, the concept of strange matter, alternate matter, dark matter. So this idea goes uh, quite a ways back. But then uh, we have to, uh, if we want to look at someone who's a, a really huge figure in this whole area, working, you know, about 90 years later after Weber, it would have to be Paul Dirac, this huge figure in modern physics who is able to unify special relativity from Einstein with quantum mechanics and created this field that's called quantum electrodynamics. And one of Dirac's contributions to our modern understanding of the world is his prediction of the discovery of antimatter. Because working with his 
Dirac equation, he was able to show that uh, both particles that have positive charge and negative charge fulfill the same uh, role within his equation. Because if you square a negative number or a positive number, you remember this from your mathematics classes, right? You square a negative or positive number, you still get a positive number. So because Dirac was originally trained as an engineer and then as a mathematician, and then he went into quantum mechanics, he had this really precise mind. And just using mathematics alone, he predicted the existence of antimatter in 1928. And then uh, people uh, ridiculed him. And if you listen to some of Dirac's interviews there on YouTube, uh, that he gave before he passed on in the 80s. He said he was very reluctant to propose the idea of a new antimatter particle because at the time in 1928, the only particles that were known to exist were electrons and protons. The neutron hadn't been discovered yet. It wouldn't be discovered for another six years or so. So he was very reluctant to introduce a third particle when everyone was happy uh, with just two particles. But there it was, and then in 1932, the positron uh, is discovered in cosmic background radiation, and Dirac had predicted it four years early. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the life and work of Paul Dirac, I recommend the autobiography by Graham Farmello, which I read not too long ago, The Strangest Man, Strangest Man, The Hidden Life of Paul Dirac, Mystic of the Atom, which goes into how Dirac came up with a lot of these ideas and how they were so controversial at the time. So uh, antimatter is another type of strange matter, a kind of a mirror opposite of the matter that we see around us. And of course, the big mystery in cosmology is why is there more matter than antimatter in the universe? If the symmetry principle is so prevalent in our universe. Why do we have a slight imbalance towards the matter side, which is why you and I are here? Of course, because antimatter and matter, when they encounter each other, uh, kind of annihilate each other. So Dirac predicts this strange type of antimatter. He also predicts the existence of magnetic monopoles, um, magnets that have only a north or a south pole, but not both. You and I have only encountered magnets that are both have a north pole and a south pole. I remember as a kid, you kind of break a magnet into smaller pieces. It'll still have a north pole and a south pole. But Dirac says that if his uh, quantum electrodynamics uh, is true, then somewhere in the, in the universe, there has to be a magnetic monopole. And now they're discovered uh, more recently in experiments uh, things that act like uh, magnetic monopoles temporarily, not the exact one Dirac was talking about, but the idea of magnetic monopoles. Again, magnetic monopoles being a very strange uh, type of matter in and of themselves that have a lot of very interesting effects and are at the basis of, as many people believe, uh, Martin Fleischmann Memorial Project and others that... Uh, Magnetic monopoles are the basis of uh, exotic vacuum objects and ball lightning. And this search for, uh, you know, this mirror type of matter, alternate states of matter. Uh, I mean, 
you can just see it like in an article like this, which is from uh, uh, Archive. Uh, and it's a uh, new search for mirror neutrons at the high flux isotope reactor at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. We mentioned Leo Broussard in the previous video, but just this is just an example. I mean, look what they're talking about here. Evidence for dark matter comes from diverse astronomical sources. They're looking for signatures of dark matter and they expect to find dark matter in particles here on Earth. Again, we're not just talking about way out there in space. Dark matter being something that holds galaxies together and, you know, outnumbers our matter by five to one or more. 85% of matter being in our universe being this dark substance. But the folks at Oak Ridge, at least the last time that, you know, they were writing about this in 2017, are looking for this type of dark matter in mirror matter, which uh, is sort of a time-reversed uh, version of our reality, our matter that we see. It's asymmetric, self-interacting, and it's a type of baryonic dark matter. Mirror matter. Uh, what they're looking at is new neutron oscillations, neutrons in our universe temporarily going over to this dark matter universe and then coming back here again. They're looking for missing neutrons, at least in the way they oscillate in our reality. The whole point of this, the reason I'm telling you all this, is this is actually theoretically uh, expected to be real. So how far of a stretch is it to imagine there's life forms that are also based on this strange type of matter, mirror matter, dark matter? I just think it's a logical uh, extension of these ideas. You don't have to accept these ideas. You could say maybe there is no mirror matter. Maybe there's no dark matter. If physicists and astrophysicists are having these discussions and careers are built around this, it isn't illogical to say that there's life also based on this type of matter, which would have very interesting and from our point of view, strange properties, which would warp space-time and create negative inertial mass along with natural superconductivity, orbs, and ball lightning. And isn't this what we see around witnesses' testimony to Bigfoot and other types of cryptids where they see them around ball lightning? They see them uh, seemingly fade away in a, in a sparkles of light or as one witness told me in a sort of like pixelated form they just vanish in front of your eyes it sounds to me a lot like this dark matter and it doesn't seem all that different from ken shoulders experiments when he was looking at uh the effect of these evos and how they would come into a solid barrier like aluminum foil yet the energy would still go out the other side in other words, you have this energy form hitting a solid material, but the energy can change its state into this highly attracted clustered state, which Weber anticipated in the 1840s, and create a propulsive effect on the other side of the material. Uh, Ken Shoulders himself wrote about this short-range electron attractive force, which I'll put in the links below. But basically, he says, it's just like what Weber is talking about. Uh, he has a slightly different estimate of how close the particles need to be 
to create this force, but he says, there is an attractive force found between closely spaced free electrons. Instead of the universally touted repulsive force, this is goes into effect at spacing at a range of 10 to the minus 10 meters. Uh, a little off from Weber, but not that much. Uh, leaving older repulsion laws intact for larger spacing. When this force binds two or more electrons, their expressed field at a distance is reduced. And this is a newfound property of this otherwise well-known particle. He goes on to talk about the work of G.A. Messiatz in Russia, another charge cluster researcher who called these things ectons. And there's lots of different names for these types of charge clusters. But whenever this effect of electron clustering happens, it behaves like an unseen substance that enshrouds electron groups, masking their charge. Got masking the charges is why it can pass through physical objects like walls, because the charge is neutralized. And it creates a local action reminiscent of an induction field in electromagnetic theory. Now, a very interesting aspect of this short-range attraction is, uh, as has been discovered by Bob Greenier and Martin Fleischmann Memorial Project volunteers, it creates something known as a fractal toroidal moment in which the electromagnetic field, as Shoulders just said here, is condensed, condensed down into a tiny little space, and it doesn't emit itself as a signal anymore in the way we're used to. But it still has quantum mechanical effects, the Aronhoff-Bohm effect, and can create non-local communication. So you have this sort of non-radiating electromagnetic field that can, is condensed to a very small space. And of course, this type of clustering and condensation of energy seems to be one of the main components of ball lightning as we know it, and this could be one reason why you see ball lightning and orbs around cryptids and another sort of what we call paranormal phenomena, because these are all phenomena associated with the dark matter universe. And again, uh, you know, we can talk about it uh, from the point of view of theory or look at some of the experiments that are done in it. But again, when we're looking at explanations for how, why witnesses tell us they see these cryptids vanish in front of their eyes, disappear in front of their cars, why they're able to uh, cloak or morph into different types of objects, even other types of animals, create tele, uh, telekinetic communications, telepathic communications to people's minds, and seemingly glide and float over the forest surface or wherever they're seen instead of walking. It just seems very reminiscent to me of these other states of matter that uh, physicists are uh, looking at and have predicted for a long time. Uh, Antimatter, dark matter, condensed matter, uh, that has very strong effects on how electromagnetism is expressed and is associated with uh, non-ordinary EM types of fields, fractal, toroidal moments, and so forth. 
So these sorts of exotic effects are already part of the physics discussion. And I, I would like to suggest to you, since you know something about these topics, that this is also part of the Bigfoot cryptid phenomena, which would indeed make them dark matter monsters, if you will. So anyway, those are my thoughts about it. Of course, I'm interested to hear what you think about it. So feel free to put your comments in the box below. And if you'd like to interact with me more, feel free to visit my Patreon page where we have opportunities to do uh, monthly remote viewing practice. Uh, if this is something that you'd like to try out another non-ordinary EM field effect, uh, in my view. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon and uh, take care for now and bye.